there they crucified him. That's it. Those bare words. That's all the crucifixion itself merits in the Gospels. And there they crucified him. There's no explanation of what was actually happening. There's no description of the horrors and agonies of crucifixion. And this is generally mirrored in our art. Go to the National Gallery or any major gallery in the world. Go to almost any church in the world and see an image of the crucifixion and you will tend to see Christ looking, if not quite serene, then certainly only mildly discomforted, with the exception of the images of the Christ of Sorrows from the Middle Ages. So often we don't see the body twisted in agony. The blood that pours from the hands and the feet are not pouring, but maybe gently dripping. This is not true in Golgotha, that dark, brooding painting which hangs in our church. It is a spectacular, if discomforting, image by Richard Harrison. Red and black, dark, sparse, brooding. That was the word I used earlier and I'll use it again. It is not a comfortable uh, image to look at. Well, this is proper for an image of the crucifixion and it's why I've chosen this for my work of art for our Holy Week reflections. It's worth considering what crucifixion actually involved. The person being crucified was exposed to public view, hung like a slab of meat from a market stall. Seneca says that they were hung naked, long in agony, swelling with ugly wheels on shoulders and chest. They were helpless to beat away the clamorous birds. This was the worst imaginable fate for a Roman, and it's why it was a punishment reserved to slaves and rebel populations. The Romans were particularly imaginative when it came to execution. They put a little seat, I suppose, on the crosses, so that the body could not allow itself to drown in the water that was filling the lungs of the crucified victim. The body, because of the little seat, the body had just enough capacity to push itself up, to breathe and to keep going, to keep going sometimes for days. Executioners were experts in drawing out the suffering and in making the punishment even worse than it than it could normally be. One, perhaps, would be crucified upside down with his head towards the ground, another with a stake driven through his genitals, another attached by his arms to a yoke, says Seneca. This is an excruciating and appalling way to die, and it's no wonder that the Gospel writers left us with only that bald phrase, and there they crucified him. Although, even though not spelt out, the agony of this death is alluded to in the scriptures. 
when Christ cries out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, he is quoting Psalm 22. And by so doing, he is drawing attention, drawing the attention of those standing by and through the gospel writers, drawing the attention of all who later would read this, drawing attention to, to the agonies that are described in Psalm 22. My strength is dried up like a pot's herd, and my tongue cleaveth to my gums, and thou shalt bring me into the dust of death. For many dogs have come about me, and the counts of the wicked lay siege against me. They pierce my hands and my feet, I may tell all my bones. They stand staring and looking upon me. They part my garments among them, and cast lots upon my vesture. The writers of the Gospel probably felt they didn't need to spell out the horrors of crucifixion. They could just allude to the well-known psalm and allow the imagination of those who had almost certainly seen innumerable crucifixions to do the rest. Well, Richard Harrison affords us no such luxury. We are dragged to that hillside. He leaves us seared with no respite because Christ has no respite. This is a picture of pain. Christ is being propelled off the cross, which itself is more a weapon of war, a sort of mangonel or a trebuchet, says Harrison, than an instrument of execution. The whole world is red and black because the whole world has become his pain. There is nothing else there. I can't tell you how much I love this painting. I don't like it, if you see what I mean, but I love it. It's a painting that I could and have spent hours probably in total praying with and over. Because it's a painting which draws me to the reality of the crucifixion, of what Christ went through on Good Friday. It's a painting that reminds me that God did not leave us comfortless, that God did not stay raining on his cloud in the sky, I suppose if you want a, a sort of infantile image of God, but came and joined the world in the midst of it, in the mess of it, in the agony of it. It's a painting that draws us to the heart of what it means to be a Christian. And when we are at last, in God's good time, allowed back into our church, I encourage you to go and spend some time with this painting, to reflect on it, to pray with it. And then when you've moved on, to give thanks for the resurrection. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, who of thy tender love towards mankind, hast sent thy Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ, to take upon him our flesh and to suffer death upon the cross, that all mankind should follow the great example of his humility. Mercifully grant that we may both follow the example of his patience and also be made partakers of his resurrection through the same Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O Almighty God, the Lord of life and death, of health and sickness, have pity upon us miserable sinners now visited with great sickness and mortality. 
withdraw from us this grievous affliction, enlarge our charity to relieve those who need our help, bless the remedies applied to assist them, give us prudence to see and vigour to use those means which thy providence affords for preventing and alleviating such calamities, and above all teach us to know how frail and uncertain our condition is, and so to number our days, that we may seriously apply our hearts to that holy and heavenly wisdom whilst we live here, which may in the end bring us to life everlasting. Through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, thine only Son, our Lord. Amen. Let us pray also for those who have asked for our prayers at this time, and hold before God those who lie heavy on our hearts, and also Sarah Stiller, Sarah Harrison, Sophie Tuck, Christine Morrissey, Charlotte Rose Allen, Marcus Allen, Patricia Walker, Christopher Walker, a lady in hospital, and the Prime Minister. We pray also for the souls of those who have died in recent weeks, and among them we pray for Peter Sinclair, John Tideman, Patricia Sibley, and Sam Ives. Rest eternal grant unto them, O Lord, and let light perpetual shine upon them. May they rest in peace and rise in glory. Amen.